You're here today for another episode of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. This is episode 75 of Jesus Society Podcast, and I bet you're thinking, why don't he write? <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a movie reference, if you don't know, and you get extra points if you know what movie that came from. Um, uh, I don't know how I can gauge this. You can find our, if you can find our um, our Facebook group for the Jesus Society podcast, and make a comment over there and tell me what movie that comes from. Um, I will be impressed. Okay. Um, I like movie quotes. I've got a few friends, uh, and you know who you are, who um, we can drop movie quotes to each other all the time and. Um, v- it's often we don't. It's not often that we stump each other for that. That's one of my uh, one of my favorite things to do. So today, um, I, I want to talk about something that I think I think a lot of you will um, will resonate with because this is this is something we all struggle with. And um, what I want to talk about today is dealing with difficult people. And the reason I want to talk about that today is because this is very, very fresh in my, in my life. Um, um, you know, because um, I've mentioned this in the last couple of episodes, um, one, of the, one of the big things that is on my plate and has been on my plate for the last month and a half is um, I've got a, an elderly um, relative who um, is... She's had some health tr- troubles, and we're trying to figure out how to best help her, and um, that's been a complicated thing. And it has been—it's complicated because she lives in another state, and I live here. It's complicated because it's not like she's my parent, my mother. Um, it's not even she's an aunt. She's a she's a cousin. She's a my dad's cousin, which I think makes her my first cousin once removed or something. I can never figure out how that works. But um, it's, you know, it's not quite the same thing as if it were your your mother. Um, it's She's distant. But my brother and I are her only living relatives, so so it falls on us um, to try to try to help her. And, and in the midst of what is already a, a, a difficult and challenging set of circumstances to navigate... There have been a few difficult people um, involved in this um, who I have had to deal with or not deal with, as, as, as you'll hear about somewhat as we go through this. But that, you know, difficult people make difficult circumstances even more difficult. And that's just part of life. We live in a fallen world, um, and so there are going to be difficult people. And I know that, and I realize that, and I can generally try to be gracious and kind and loving in the midst of that. But boy, sometimes that that kind of stuff strains my ability to uh, to be the person I want to be. And that's there's some of that that's been going on. And so I've been thinking a lot 
I've got a friend who um, is a, a, a theologian by trade, and he says that in the midst of difficult circumstances, every Christian is a theologian. And that's right. That's just right. Um, we all, in the midst of difficult circumstances, start scratching our brains and trying to figure out what, what would God do? What would Jesus do? What would God have me do in the midst of this? Um, so I have spent a lot of time in the last month wrestling with what's the appropriate response to some of these some of these people and some of what we're going to be talking about today kind of grows out of that so I, I hope this is this has been helpful for me to think through it hasn't made everything better and wonderful um, you know, difficult people are still difficult and having the right tactic you know in your back pocket doesn't change that it they're still difficult um, but I, I I've come to a kind of a place a little bit more peace in my response some of this is is comes out of my own brokenness you know I, I we all bring our brokenness to the table and if we've got baggage from past hurts and and all kinds of other junk we're bringing that into the mix of how we do this and sometimes and I'm I'm the I'm not I'm the first person I'm gonna I'm gonna be to say I haven't always handled this stuff right and I still, I'm still convinced I'm not handling it all the best, the way that I should because of my own baggage, right? But I think there are some, I, I think there are some things that I want to keep before me in my consciousness and in my, in the eyes of faith that I have to try to help me navigate this kind of stuff is the, the best way that I can. And that's some of the, some of the stuff is what I'm going to share with you today. So difficult people. If you've uh, never had to deal with a difficult person, then maybe you can skip this podcast and move on. But if you have, you may want to pay attention because there might just be some helpful stuff coming down the pike here today. So um, there are... Um, there are different types of difficult people. Um, um, hang on just a second. I need to type something real quick in all this. Um, there's different types of difficult people in my experience, and your mileage may vary uh, on all this. You may have some different categories of people you want to add to this list and some people you don't want to add to this list. Um there are mean people. There are people who are just genuinely mean. Um, they're, they're, it's almost like they're trying to do harm, right? There are people like that. There are also people that I would just classify as uh, aggressive. Uh, they're, they're your, your type A domineering people. Um, um, you know your your D your D type people your dominant personalities, um, and, and those kind of people are only a problem if you're not a type A person yourself. You know, or a, or an Enneagram eight, if you if you know what I'm talking about there. Um, you know, if you're that kind of if you're a kind of a, a dominant personality yourself, you're not put off by aggressive people. In fact, you may actually gravitate toward them because you like a little bit of a scrappy interaction. Um, I know that's true. I am not that kind of person, okay? So for me, aggressive type A domineering people are a real problem. Um, I tend to think of these kind of people as troublemakers. 
Um, oftentimes they think they're helping, but for me, those kind of people just become troublemakers. They become just difficult. Um, and, and again, some of it's just personality stuff. They're not necessarily bad people. They're not mean. They're not evil. They're just, our personalities clash. They they see only solutions and, and they just want to jump in and take over and make things happen. I don't work that way, right? So some of this is, you know, a difficult person for you may not be a difficult person for someone else. Um, and, and remember, remember, I feel compelled to say this because I'm, because for I, I, I for no other reason I want you to know as we talk about this that I know that this is the case, <laughs> okay? Um, you should know this too, but but in some of what follows, I want you to be aware up front that I understand this. Not everyone who is difficult to us has bad motives. Okay? Not every difficult person has bad motives. Some people are genuinely good and decent and, and great people, and they have the best interests of the situation at hand. They're just difficult. Okay? Um, they're not bad people. So you, you should keep that in mind and not treat them as though they're bad people. All right? Um, some some people have poor social skills. Some people have poor communication skills. Again, some people are just aggressive. Okay? Um, there are also people who are, um, they're not necessarily mean, but they're just, they're controlling. They're manipulative. They're coercive people. They're people that want to, that want to be in charge, that want to bend you to their will, okay? Um, I'm, I want to affirm strongly that controlling, manipulative, coercive people, th- those kind of tendencies are not of God. God does not manipulate. God does not control people. God do, uh, does not coerce people. And his people should not do those things to other people either, Okay. And then they're just, and this is, I suppose, another kind of mean person. There are abusive people. There are people who are just physically or or emotionally. I think a lot of it is just emotional abuse um, brought on by their own junk. Okay, so I, I I delineate several types of difficult people because how you deal with each of those people is going to depend a little bit on what kind of difficult person they are. Okay, so we should we should keep that kind of stuff in mind as well. Now, there are there are some there are some scriptural guardrails. I I, I think of them as guardrails um, to keep in mind as we think about how to deal with with difficult people or just people in general. There's some um, you, you know you know when you when you go bowling and you're a, you're a kid or you're not a very good bowler they'll put those bumper things up on the up on the uh, the gutters you know so that your ball doesn't go in the gutter it, it keeps keeps it on a straight path um, some of these scriptural things are are bumpers right they're they're things that are just designed to keep us from getting off into the ditches okay so there's a couple of those that they don't solve every problem, but but keeping these sort of principles, these big high-level things in mind, will at least keep us from getting off off the rails, keep us from getting in the in the ditches, in the gutters of of some of these some of these difficult um, um, relational uh, conundrums that we find ourselves in with people. Okay, hang on, gotta have some coffee. Ah, oh my. Coffee is a good thing. 
I've said that before. And I will say it again. Okay, a couple of scriptural guardrails. First, God causes all to peace. Okay? Uh, Romans 12, 18 is my, is my passage on all this. Um, if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Okay? The key phrases in that, in that sentence are, if it is possible... And so far as it depends on you, okay? Because sometimes it's not possible and sometimes it doesn't just depend on you, okay? Um, that's just, sorry, I just got a text. My son, my son, my son, who I love, is out fishing and he just sent me a text to tell me that um, he caught a... Two and a half pound largemouth. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, and his friend that he's fishing with caught a walleye. So, you know, news from the field, folks. News from the field. Um, important, important outdoor news uh, in the midst of our scriptural guardrails. <laughs> I just disabled my... Uh, let me do it here, too. I disabled my text, so I won't be interrupted again. Um, but that kind of stuff is cool. All right. It is, it is fall. Uh, on, fall is, is almost here, and uh, that means uh, it is the best fishing of the whole year, um, and hunting season is just around the corner, which has me positively giddy. Um, so that's, that's important news. Important news. And I'm, I'm really hoping that all this... this um, uh, these challenges that I've been facing with, with my cousin and some of this other stuff. I'm hoping that, that we can get that stuff buttoned up um, in, the next, in the next week um, so that I can go into fall a little more peaceful. Um, I, I know it's not all about me. I know that. But I do enjoy fall, and I would love to be able to enjoy it with some peace and not have all this stuff kind of hanging over my head. So... So there's that. I, it was a bit of a ramble. Um, I got off track. Um, the text from my son got me off track. Fish. Deer. Ooh, outdoors. Squirrel. Anyway. Okay. God calls us to peace. That is a, that is a like, keep that in mind. No matter what else happens, what God really wants in our relationships with other people is peace. So... We need to work toward that. That needs to be in our mind. It's a it's a guardrail. God always desires peace. Okay, God is not a god of confusion or conflict. Um, it happens. It's part of life, but it's never what God wants. Okay, uh, and sometimes peace is not totally up to us. So God recognizes that, and and so should we. Um, the other thing I want to I want to talk about that's another kind of a guardrail is is anger. Okay, um, anger. Some some of us were raised in a in a Christian environment that said it that basically said it's sinful to be angry. Okay, no, it's not. Anger is a normal and valuable human emotion. Okay, there are some things we ought to be angry about. There are some things God is angry about. Okay. 
And if God didn't get angry about some things, God would not be a just God, all right? Anger is a normal thing. You should never be ashamed of your emotions because they were given to you by God, okay? Now, how we act on our emotions, that's another thing, okay? But but you should never be ashamed of how you feel, all right? Um, you know, um, my friend and I always talk about feeling like, well, I should I should feel this way or I should feel that way. And he calls that shoulding all over yourself. Shoulding, S-H-O-U-L-D-I-N-G. Shoulding all over yourself. Don't, don't should on yourself, okay? That's what he says all the time. Um, feel what you feel. Be honest about what you feel. Own what you feel. If you're angry, admit it, if only to yourself. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm discouraged. Own your emotions, okay? Your emotions are not bad. They're valuable and normal, okay? Anger in and of itself is not sinful. It is, and it is not something you should be ashamed of, and it is not something you should necessarily try to avoid. It just happens. That, that's the thing about emotions. They just happen. You, you don't control how you feel. You just feel, okay? So don't quit, quit making yourself feel guilty because you feel a certain way. You feel what you feel. Own it. It's probably an indicator of something in your heart that maybe is important to pay attention to, all right? But don't give full vent to your anger either. The challenge is that anger can and, and often does lead us to a kind of an ungodly place and a hurtful place. Um, Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry, but don't sin, okay? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You can be angry. Don't let it cross the line into sin. Um, James 1, 19 and 20 says, James says, you must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness, okay? Anger is an okay thing, but keep it in its place, okay? Don't let anger control you, all right? Now, Another thing I want to talk about that's kind of a guardrail thing, okay? These are, these are not going to solve every issue, but there's some, some, some guardrails to just keep us from getting off in the ditches. And, and I want to talk about dealing with fools. Now, a fool in the Bible, um, in, in Proverbs, for instance, um, the Proverbs will talk a lot about fools. And you need to understand what a fool is biblically, Okay. Um, so we have to define a, a fool a little bit. Fools are the kind of people, and, and I'm, I'm congealing a whole bunch of proverbs and other wisdom literature and all this, okay? But some big big piece ideas. Fools generally are unwilling to learn or to be taught. They're not teachable. They, they know what they know and they think they know what they know and that, that's it. They're not, you, you just can't, you can't teach a fool, all right? Fools are kind of the opposite of the wise, Wise people are always open to learning, all right? Um, fools often have a lack of self-control, especially with their words, okay? They, whatever aberrant thought comes into their head, that's what comes out their mouth, right? Um, the fool is dangerous to others because of, because of their influence uh, and, and their lifestyle, the way, just the way they live. They're, they're dangerous people. They, they can lead you off into... And lead other people off into all sorts of things that just aren't good for them. All right. 
And the fool is tricky to deal with when you do have to deal with them. Um, it's, it's hard to have because they, they're, they're running all over the place, right? So it's hard to know just exactly how to deal with a fool. There's a, there's a, that trickiness is captured in a couple of back-to-back verses in Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. Verse 4 says, Don't answer fools according to their folly, or you will be a fool yourself. Sounds simple, but then verse 5 seems to backpedal on that and says, Answer fools according to their folly, or they'll be wise in their own eyes. So on the surface, those two things seem to kind of contradict each other a little bit and make us scratch our heads. How do you deal with a fool? Okay, well, the point is dealing with a fool is tricky. It's tricky. You don't want to become their companion. You don't want them to influence you. Uh, in some cases, you, you just want to keep your distance um, if that's possible. Just don't hang out with fools. Don't engage fools. And that's because fools are dangerous, right? Um, their way of life can and will impact those around you. Um, but sometimes, again, sometimes it's better to just keep quiet, okay? Um, if you talk to a fool and debate them, they're, they're going to bring you down to their level. Jesus says something kind of like this um, in Matthew 7, 6. He says, don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they'll trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. But in other cases, sometimes speaking up may show the fool to be what he is, somebody that lacks God's wisdom. And in that way, other people may not be led by the by the the fool or their speech, okay? Um, but it's tricky. You, there's no hard and fast rules. You have to kind of know when to answer a fool and when to walk away, and that requires wisdom and discernment, okay? The best advice I have for fools is be careful, okay? Um, you can quickly get into a quagmire of words that ends up making you look a lot like a fool yourself. So um, it seems to me the key is to develop a a humility in your life so that we can all be teachable. Um, We need to listen to God. We need to listen to others and make sure we're we're not just um, running on our own steam on a lot of things, okay? So, So there's a couple of guardrails. Um, that we need to pay attention to. There's, there's God calls us to peace, some cautions about anger, and then how to deal with fools, okay? Now, with that all kind of as background, we're 22 minutes in, I want to turn our attention a little bit to the book of Nehemiah, okay? Because Nehemiah gives us some really good examples of dealing with difficult people. Now, I'm going to blow through some stuff in Nehemiah. What I would encourage you to do is read the book, at least if you want to get some of this stuff that I'm referring to here, read the first six or seven chapters, okay? It's about 13 chapters, I think. Um, the Most of what I'm, I'm going to be talking about here comes out of the first six or seven chapters, but there's some good advice in, in the book of Nehemiah on dealing with difficult people. Ne- Nehemiah dealt with a couple of difficult people numerous times and in different ways. And there's some good lessons um, there. So 
Uh, hang on, coffee. Ah, okay. This will be the fuel that gets me through this next bit. So, who was Nehemiah? Nehemiah was um, was an Israelite. He was living in captivity. He took he was taken into captivity um, during the Babylonian captivity. Well, no, Nehemiah was. I'm gonna I'm gonna misspoke misspeak here. Maybe. Um, I think Nehemiah might have grown up in captivity. Yes, I think that's right. Nehemiah was, Nehemiah was in captivity under uh, Artaxerxes, who was a, a Persian ruler uh, in the 5th century BC. Um, Artaxerxes reigned from 465 to 424 BC, if you, if you really care about that stuff. Um, Nehemiah had, had arisen to a position of prominence in the court of Artaxerxes. He was the chief, chief cupbearer, okay? That was, a, that was a prominent position. He had ready um, access to the king. Well, and I'm, and I'm congealing a lot of this. You just read, this, just read the book and you'll get the, the full story. Nehemiah is given permission by the king while he's in captivity to return to Israel and build rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. Okay, that was a big deal. The wall had been destroyed about 150 years earlier by Nebuchadnezzar when um, when he carried Israel off into captivity uh, and had remained in ruins for about 150 years. Um, so he gets letters from the king to go back to Israel and rebuild the wall. When he gets there, he's got to, uh, got to deal with a couple of local officials um, that have kind of been running things, okay, in 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 and around Jerusalem. A couple of guys named Sanballat, uh, the Horonite, and Tobiah the Ammonite. Okay, those guys are not too keen on Nehemiah's task, as you can imagine. He's building a wall, which is kind of a fortress around the city um, for the Jews. They're not too keen on tack on 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 his task. In fact, we're told in Nehemiah 2, verse 10, that it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. And in the, in the chapters that follow, chapters um, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, they try several uh, tactics to try to dissuade and even thwart and, and stop Nehemiah in his task of rebuilding this wall. And they, the, the, the way that they do this, their their um, their maneuvering ramps up in intensity as we go through this, and I want you to I want you to I'm going to kind of walk you through a few of these and and just see how Nehemiah responds because I think it's a big deal. He gives us some great lessons on dealing with difficult people, and again, just read it for yourself because there's way more in here than I can talk about. The first maneuver. Um, in chapter 2, verse 19, is just to mock and ridicule Nehemiah and his workers. Um, and Nehemiah responds to that ridicule by saying, the God of heaven is the one who will give us success, and we, his servants, are going to start building, but you have, you have no share in, uh, no, sorry, you have no share or claim or historic right in Jerusalem. That's what he says. We're going to do this, and you don't have a part of this. You're not involved in this. This is about Jewish things. You're not Jewish. You're not a part of this. You're not a part of the people of God. You don't have a share in this, okay? Nehemiah recognizes 
He recognized who had a legitimate claim or stake in his work and who didn't. Because sometimes, right, people try to stick their nose into areas where they don't belong. Sometimes people try to get in your business because for whatever reason, right? And you don't have to engage people like that, okay? Now, that's going to be a little bit of a theme in, in Nehemiah. You do not have to, um, you don't have to engage them. They don't have a legitimate stake in your affairs. Recognizing that is, is wisdom, okay? Their second maneuver uh, comes in chapter 4, verse 1. So it says, when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he mocked the Jews. So they said things like, oh, you'll never get that done. It's going to take you forever to get that done. And even if you do get it done, it's going to be just such a weak and feeble wall that, that even if a fox comes by, he'll knock it down, right? It, you're wasting your time. That's the kind of stuff that they're, um, that they're saying, okay? Um, Nehemiah's response to that is to pray. Again, he doesn't engage. And his prayer is significant. He says, this is chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. He says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their taunt back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Don't cover their guilt. Don't let their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have hurled insults in the face of the builders. And the next verse, verse 6, says, so we, re we rebuilt the wall. So see, Nehemiah just kept his focus on the task at hand and did not allow himself to get distracted by critics. Boy, is that, that's just a huge lesson. And man, is it hard to do. It's hard to not get embroiled in critics, right? Um, and he asked God to handle his adversaries. Lord, you take care of them. I'm going to do the thing that I've been charged to do and that I feel responsible to do. You take care of my critics, okay? Critics don't hurt you. They really don't hurt you. Now, I say that knowing how much critics have hurt me in the, in the last month. I've had some critics and all this. It does hurt. But ultimately, they, you know, their power is limited. We give them more power than they actually have. That's the thing, Okay. So, moving on through the story. Then, as is often the case, Sanballat gets a few other people with him, right? Um, he, he builds a coalition and he ramps up the pressure. In chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, we're told that they were very angry. They all plotted together to come up and fight against us and to cause confusion. So they're, they're conspiring to actually stop the work. They're not just criticizing. They're trying to, they've ramped this up, Right? So Nehemiah and his people pray again to God. Um, and they didn't just pray. They set a guard up outside the wall or over on the wall, right, um, to, pr to protect them against any kind of um, sabotage that might come uh, day or night. It's okay to guard against attacks. And... You know, in our in our world, maybe that means things like maybe maybe you block somebody on your phone, right? Maybe you just avoid them. Maybe you don't go places where they are, right? Um, maybe you don't take their calls. Maybe you don't answer their emails. Um, not everybody deserves a response to you. 
And there's a lesson here about staying focused on what's good and right and, and, and the, the, the things that you have control over and not getting drawn into conflict, okay? There's a real powerful lesson there. Like you don't have to engage. You don't have to, you don't have to fight everybody that wants to fight, okay? Moving on in chapter 5. The people, the people, the workers, okay, Nehemiah's own people start to get discouraged. They're starting to feel the, the pressure from all this. And Nehemiah's solution is to take care of them, okay, to support the people that are doing the word, to make sure that they've got food and make sure they're, they, they, they've, they're well taken care of, okay? That's what you do. That's, that's take care of the people you can take care of and the people that are helping you, Okay? But again, his focus remains on getting done the thing that, he's, that he needs to get done. Okay? That's important. Take care of the people that are on your side, that are helping you, that are allies. All right? Let your focus be on them and not the people that are trying to distract you. Okay, by chapter 6, they've got the wall done. There's no gaps in it. it, it they're pretty proud of it. And when Sanballat hears about it, he sends a message to Nehemiah and he says this. He says, come let us, let us, let's get together. Let's meet in one of the villages. But Nehemiah knew that he intended to do him harm. And so he's, Nehemiah sends a message back to Sanballat and he says, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. Why should I stop the work while I leave it and come down to, uh, or why should the work stop while I leave it and me come down to you? Uh, and they send messages back and forth four times like this. And Nehemiah answers him the same way every time. I'm busy. I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do. I can't stop to, to talk to you. You just don't always have to answer your critics. You don't. Just ignore them. You can do that. It's, it's okay. Sometimes we think it's not polite. You know, I have to, have to answer every phone call. I'm an introvert, so it's easy for me not to answer phone calls. <laughs> All right, but you just don't have to answer everybody. You don't have to talk to everybody that wants to talk, particularly those who are just being critical. All right, I've gotten a few nasty texts and voicemails from from some people in the midst of dealing with all this stuff that are just they're hurtful, right? Accusatory. And one person I engaged because I deemed that it was it was okay to do so. One person I just refuse to talk to. Okay? You don't have to answer everybody. Then, Sanballat sends a fifth message to Nehemiah, and he says that if Nehemiah doesn't come down to meet with him, he's going to send a letter back to the king, back to Artaxerxes, and he's going to tell him that Nehemiah and the Jews are planning to rebel against him, that Nehemiah intends to set himself up as king, now, how many of us at that point would say, well, I guess I'm going to have to meet with him because I can't allow that to happen. But that is not what Nehemiah does. He sends a message back and he says, essentially, that is not what's going on here at all. You're inventing things in your own mind. But he doesn't meet with him. Nehemiah understands that it's a scare tactic designed to make the people stop their work. And so he prays, Lord, strengthen my hands. Help me to get even more done. Okay, in other words, 
give me, give me the ability to keep on doing the things I need to do. His focus is just resolute. He is not going to give up. So the lessons from Nehemiah are to stay focused on what's yours to do, don't listen to critics, and don't engage them. Okay? You just don't have to engage every critic, you know? And you don't have to take abuse either, right? Boundaries. Boundaries. Um, so let, let me wrap this up here. Difficult people are a part of life. And no one wishes that weren't so more than me. But they are. They're just, you're going to have to deal with difficult people in life. So let me, let me try to wrap this in a bow and, and summarize some, some kind of key points. Remain wise and alert and discerning about what's really going on. Okay? Remember that God calls us to peace. And to the extent that that is up to you, work for peace with all people. Try to maintain peace. Don't let your anger lead you into sin and ungodliness and rash actions. Stay focused on the things that you can control and the things that are yours to do. And sometimes the best things to do with fools and critics is just ignore them. Maintain some healthy boundaries. So I keep, I'm, I'm talking about boundaries. There's a book, right? And a lot of you know the book. Like if you haven't read the Boundaries book, read it. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's uh, Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend wrote this book years and years ago. And it's been updated several times. Um, learn how to say no to some things. You know, there's a lot of us that are people pleasers and we feel like we have to say yes to everybody that asks anything from us. And we end up in the process marching to somebody else's tune all the time. Boundary says, say no. Recognize what is yours to do and what is yours to handle and what isn't. Right? Um, so read, read that book. Like, get those concepts in your head. Um, and I know how hard it is not to fight back when you feel attacked and angry, right? For, for some of us, the most natural thing is to just bow up and, and wade into the fight and, and try to win. And, and there may be times when that's the right thing to do, okay? Defending yourself is not always bad. I don't want to say that you should never defend yourself um, but that probably should not be our first response all the time. Sometimes the very best thing to do with difficult people is just ignore them because you just end up getting embroiled in, in their junk and you don't get done the things you need to do and you just spin your wheels, okay? And then maybe most importantly in all this, maintain a posture of prayer, Give these challenges to God. Let, let God deal with, with some of the people that you can't deal with and that you shouldn't deal with. Let, let him thwart your enemies to the best of your ability. And, and boy, do I know, don't think for a minute that I don't know how hard this is, right? Um, I, am, I am weak and feeble in this kind of stuff almost all the time, okay? But to the best of your ability, Maintain a posture of peace and love 
and joy, even in the face of difficult people, because that kind of stuff is what leads to the righteousness of God, and that kind of stuff is what advances the kingdom. Okay? That's hard. That's hard. But it's that kind of stuff that changes the world. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week or as soon as I can get another podcast together. I've, I've fallen off the once a week thing until I get through some of this stuff. Um, but I want to thank you for joining today. I hope you'll join us again for the next episode. As always, we'd appreciate it if you tell others about the podcast. If you enjoy the show, if this is helpful to you, please subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, wherever good podcasts are found. Please visit us on our Facebook page for the Jesus Society podcast and uh, check out our, our website, thejesussociety.com. Um, we're loading our, our podcast onto YouTube uh, and Odyssey, and there's links in the show notes for that. You can find us there. Um, please feel free to leave a comment or a, a rating or a review there as well. Um, and if you search for Jesus Society podcast on either of those places, you'll find us. If you'd like to support the show and our related ministry, click on the support TJS link. Um, on our Jesus Society website, and you can find out how you can do that. Thank you for listening, and remember, you really are greatly loved. <laughs>